Awesome. How's everyone going? You doing good? How good is it to be in church today? And so glad that you're here. Hey, wait, stay standing for a little bit. It's always good. Uh, we heard the other week that you burn more calories while standing. So standing in church is good, right? And so you're burning a few extra calories. But I do want to introduce myself, guys, if we have never met before. My name is Dan, and it's such a privilege to be sharing with you this morning. And I just wanted to echo what Ebony said of how proud we are of our church just for the last 21 days of just leaning into God. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful we're part of a church that loves the presence of God, that leans in for it, that contends for it. And, and that, you know, you and I, at all at some point, we walked into this church and we were a benefit of other people who had lent in on behalf of us. So why don't you just give yourself a hand again. Well done. Well done. Now, maybe you didn't even know we had a prayer and fast. I just wanted to invite you tonight. We have a night of prayer and worship. You'll hear more about it later, but I just wanted to personally invite you. You might have missed the fast, which is completely okay, but tonight we're going to take an hour and a half and we're going to have extra worship. We're going to pray. We're just going to encounter God. And I just want to invite you to be in the room tonight, 5 p.m. It's going to be so good. But let's pray right now, just before I get into it, can I invite you just one last time, just to close your eyes, and if you feel comfortable, reaching your hands out to God. Lord, right now, together, we just wait on you here in this moment. As we come around your word, God, we're not here because we have to be here. We're not here to tick a religious box or duty. But Lord, we are here because we love you, Lord Jesus. We want to know more about you. And I ask, Lord, over these next few moments together, that, Lord, people wouldn't hear my voice, but every single one of us would hear your voice, Lord. That not one person would leave this place today without feeling your personal presence, how close you are, God, and without hearing your voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, everyone said... Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You can take your seat. Um, and thank you, band. You guys can grab your seat. Can we give them a hand? Didn't they do a great job? So, so good. I saw um, Liz walked in today with an extra smile. Any Carlton fans in the house got an extra smile today? We're back in the top eight. And I saw John Owen had a grumpy look in his eye because Essendon are out of the top eight. Um, so we'll have an altar call later if you follow Essendon. Um, I just won't bring up Collingwood because none of us like you because you always win and we just don't like you. <laughs> we just don't. I'm sorry. It's not you we don't like. It's the team you support. Wow. Pastor. Wow. We love people here. I'm just kidding. Well, I want to ask you, we are all here on a different journey. There are people here today who have been in a relationship with Jesus for maybe five, four or five decades. Maybe there's someone here today who hasn't begun a personal relationship with Jesus. We're all on one end of the journey, and, and it's completely okay wherever you are on that journey. Maybe even you're here going, I'm trying to work out if God is actually real. That's okay. But I do want to ask us all to reflect, if you have begun a relationship with God, let's remember this morning, I want you to go back in your mind, back in your heart, do you remember the day that you met Jesus Christ yourself, when you began a personal relationship with Him? 
For some of us, as I said, that might be a bit later on this service. I'm going to give you an opportunity. For others of us, it was like a life-defining moment where like lightning hit earth and it was like, wow, it was a huge transformation. And then there's others of us that just, we can't actually pinpoint a moment. We may have grown up in church. We, we may have never come on an altar call, but you just know there was a season when I connected with Jesus. I'm going to share a bit more of my story later, but my story is I grew up in church. I actually was born and bred in a C3 church all the way in Canberra. Um, Block your ears if you're from Canberra, but I'm always a little bit like, I don't like to give that detail out that I'm from Canberra, Um, but there is Questacon there. That's like the one fun thing to do there. Um, But anyway, I'm from Canberra. I'm so sorry. I just offended Vito and Matt. Yeah, yeah. Do you agree with me, Matt? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'm from Canberra, and I grew up in a C3 church. I, I actually grew up going to church. I was there probably the second week I was alive. My parents were pastors. And, you know, I, I grew up in church. I had a wonderful upbringing. But the, what happened in my life, it's just my story, is when I hit about 13 or 14, I was in this transitional moment of my parents' faith and what my faith was going to be. And unfortunately, I made the biggest regret of my life, and I actually walked away from church. Slowly, I just got in the wrong crowd. My life took me away. And basically, for me, I spent about four or five years far from God. The, the quick summary is my life went to absolute enter word. It just went bad to bad to bad, worse to worse to worse. So I unfortunately found myself at the age of 17, I just finished high school in the darkest place of my life. But when I thought about the question, I asked you, when did you meet Jesus? That was the day for me that I met Jesus. And can I tell you, I had been in such a dark place that when I turned to Jesus, for me at the age of 17, I absolutely fell in love with him. When we go from darkness to light, the, di- the difference is absolutely outstanding. I was so overwhelmed by darkness and depression and sadness, I could not believe the joy that Jesus gave me. I remember that I was so overwhelmed by guilt, shame, and and regret. I could not believe that there was a God who loved me enough to send his son that he forgave me. I couldn't believe I had a fresh slate and he had forgiven me of my sins. I was so overwhelmed by rejection and felt so unloved and unworthy that I just could not believe that Jesus Christ loved me, me, just for me. As I am, I could not believe who he was. Do you know, I remember thoughts like, I couldn't believe that you could actually pray and Jesus would listen to my words. I was like, what? The God who created the universe and is the greatest, I could pray and he would listen to me, what? I remember, I couldn't believe that God wanted to speak to me and I could open this thing called the Bible And God wanted to speak to me. I couldn't believe it. I remember I couldn't believe I could feel his presence whenever I wanted to. I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't even have to be in church. I could just, in my bedroom, close my eyes and think of him and I'd feel his presence. I couldn't believe it. Do you remember that feeling when you first turned to Jesus? I I know, don't know about you, but for me, it was just so powerful. Um, I'd love to ask the team right now, um, Toby's not here, maybe Steve, you're going to bring out something for me. Uh, And I have this very succinct memory, and I actually wanted to include you in my memory today. 
It is a beanbag. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate it. Now, this beanbag, as Ebony said earlier, is um, probably very dirty because I've owned it since I was like a child. You know how you just have those bits of furniture that everywhere you move, you just take with you? And she just doesn't let me put it out in our house. But anyway, I found it this morning and I have this incredibly succinct memory. So I'm 17 years of age. As I said, I just turned from God. And this beanbag was in my bedroom. Uh, I lived at my, with my parents at the time. And do you know what I remember? I remember every single night for about three months straight after I gave my heart to Jesus. No matter the day I had had, no matter what was going on in my world, I'd finish the day every night sitting on this beanbag. And I had a window. And I'd just look out to the stars. And I would just spend time with my, my Savior, Jesus. I remember... So like it was yesterday, I'd sit on this beanbag and I would pray to him as I discovered how to pray. I remember some nights I would just worship him and our tears would just be streaming down my face. I remember sitting on this beanbag praising God, just saying, God, I can't believe how kind you are. I remember sitting on this very beanbag just so thankful and I would just thank him again and again, not even for what he had done for me. I just couldn't believe he died on the cross for me. I remember sitting on this beanbag at night just dreaming of the future with God and sharing my heart with him and hearing him talk to me about my calling. I remember sitting on this beanbag, looking out, spending time with God and Him healing my broken heart. I was so broken and it took so long, but He would just pour His love into me. I remember Him setting me free. I remember just time and time again, this became, it's just a stupid old blue beanbag that my mum probably bought for $1 at Big W when I was five. And it probably has some diseases on it because I don't know how to clean it. But anyway... For me, this beanbag became a very, very holy place. And you know, I remember, I, I went all in, man. Like, I fell in love with Jesus. I remember cancelling on my friends. They would ask me to go hang out with them and have fun. I'm like 18, and I would say no, because I wanted to spend time with Jesus. I remember some nights I'd, I'd sit down at 9 p.m. and it'd be 12 a.m., 1 a.m. I would still be worshipping him. I, sleep didn't matter to me. I just wanted to spend time with God. I remember no matter how I felt, whether I had a good day, bad day, horrible day, how, how my emotions were going, I just remember every day I'd be here. And more than anything, I remember just how much I, I would just love Jesus. This is a holy place for me. And I, I will never forget the emotions in my heart of those first three months when I encountered Jesus for myself. I fell in love with Jesus. Before he did anything for me, before anyone even knew me, before I was even being used by God, there was this beautiful secret place between me and him. But you know, as I reflect on my life, which upsets me. And if I want to be real with you today, is it okay if I be honest with you? Sometimes people think pastors are like perfect and their prayer life is just like angels singing in their bedroom every night. But can I tell you, it's not my journeys. I'm a person too. I go through seasons. And, you know, I look back and I, I regret it, but I'm sad to say that my love for Jesus didn't stay as strong as it was in those first three months, the last 12 years that I've been following Jesus. 
All of a sudden, I would find myself, rather than sitting with God, I, I would find myself tired and going to bed early. I'll pray tomorrow, I'm tired. I would find myself snoozing my alarm. Oh, I'm tired, I'm not gonna get up and seek God. All of a sudden, I let serving God. I thought this was obviously a good thing. I, I let serving God distract me from my time with Him. And I began to get so busy doing for God that unfortunately I forsook, if that's a word, the secret place. All of a sudden, it began to feel a bit more like a religious chore. That joy I once had that I would look forward to all day getting home and being with Jesus. Squat. All of a sudden... It became a bit of a duty. I would tick the box. I'd show up every now and then, but it didn't feel as joyful. That first love and passion and fire that was on the inside of me, it grew dim over time. As I reflect on the last 11 years, and I wonder if you can relate to me if you've been following Jesus. I've had seasons where... I have just been so on fire for God. I have had seasons where it was like this place again, and I would just love coming to the house of God. I would love spending time in prayer. It was like if you've managed my fire, I was on fire. And sometimes that would last for a year. Sometimes that would last for three months. Sometimes that would last for a week. But if I'm honest with you, and I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, we've all had seasons as well. I've had seasons where I felt dry on the inside. That once burning fire was just an ember. I'd open the Bible and I struggled to hear God's voice. I didn't want to pray anymore. I had to force myself. I, I, I'd wake up on a Sunday and I'm like, oh, is it church already? I went through these seasons. I can relate to Paul. Let's read this. I love this in the Bible. Romans 7. This is Paul the Apostle. This will help you feel guilt-free, people. Let's read this. In verse 15, Paul said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Can you relate to that? The whole time I've been in love with Jesus, that hasn't changed. I want to do this, but I don't. Ah, Paul can relate. Instead, I do what I hate. That's talking about sin. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. What am I trying to say here today? If you, if you are in a dry season... It's okay. God's not angry at you. And in fact, we will all as believers go through it. It sounds like Paul wrestled himself as well. But do you know the win of this is does it draw us back? And this is what I want to talk about today, back to that place with Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but in me, this frustrates me. It frustrates me a little bit. And I can see where it's happened. But what happened in my life I had this great season of what I would call my first love when I first met Jesus. And what happened in the seasons where I began to hang out with friends and get busy serving God is, as the Bible talks, I abandoned or I forsook my first love. This is what I want to talk about here today. The title of my message is Our First Love. 
Do you remember in your life when you fell in love with somebody? Not Jesus, I'm talking about like a human being. Maybe if you're married, do you remember when you first met your spouse? Yes. Yep. Do you remember when you fell in love with somebody for the first time? I remember like so clearly when I was falling in love with Ebony and it didn't take me long. I fell in love with her very quickly. But I remember I could literally not stop thinking about her. Like, do you remember those days? Like, let's be real. I remember I'd wake up and I'd think about Ebony and I'd be at work and I'm thinking about Ebony and I'd be preaching to youth and I'd be thinking about Ebony and I go to bed and I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking about my beautiful Ebony. I remember checking my phone every 30 seconds like an insane person. Has she texted me yet? Oh, did I send too many X's and O's? Oh my gosh. Does she still like me? I check it every 30 seconds for 24 hours a day. That's a lot of pickups on your phone. I remember the first time we held hands and the butterflies in my stomach, just butterflies buzzing. I was so in love. I remember buying her a rose every single month to the day for our monthly anniversary. We've been dating two months. Here's a rose. Three months. Here's a rose. I remember counting down the days until our next date. Oh, four days until we hang out again. I remember wherever I'd go when there was a crowd like church, the first thing I'd do is I'd look for her and then I'd see her and a smile would fill my eyes. I was in love. The question is, has that lasted? I'd like, yes, I still love her. But now when she asks to hang out with me, I'm like, no, I'm playing Xbox. It's Dan time. Now, sometimes it goes months go by without me buying flowers when it used to be every month like clockwork. <laughs> sometimes we're in bed and her, her foot touches me. Like, remember holding hands was so nice? Like, get your foot off me, it's so cold. <laughs> this is my space, woman. <laughs> Any husbands relate? Yeah, yeah. Any husbands can't relate? Who's just pure right now and just, yeah. Oh, how good. I'm just joking around. Of course I love her still. I actually love her more today than I did when I first met her. But this is the challenge of marriage, right? Is our love when we first meet so strong. And look, of course, a lot of that is emotion and how God's designed it. But love is so easy at the start. But Ebony and I, have now we're 10 years in. Love is now a bit more of a choice and a discipline. Has my heart changed? Absolutely not. In fact, my heart has grown more in love with her. But now it's a little bit harder than it was back then, right, to show my love. This is what we need to do is come back to our first love. So let's look at the Bible together. We're going to read from the book of Revelation. There's a bit of a theme. Last week, if you were here, <laughs> yeah, uh, Pastor John talked about a letter uh, to a church. I want to go a chapter back. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 in the New International Version. Now, I'm going to read this. This is a bit confusing, potentially. Uh, just really quickly, what's happening is John, who was a disciple of Jesus, had this amazing moment where basically God supernaturally took him into a vision, and John got this huge vision, which is the book of Revelation. The whole book of Revelation is one vision of God showing John about the end times and, and about this revelation from Jesus. It's incredible. Now, I personally find it one of the most challenging book in the Bible to understand, being honest, but it's a great book to read and look into. 
And what we're reading here is Jesus writes a letter to seven different churches. And we're reading today about a church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus was a church that Paul actually planted. Uh, It was a famous city in the ancient world with an equally famous church. Paul ministered there and lived there for three years. Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos were there, if you've heard of them in the Bible. And later on, Paul's close associate, Timothy, actually was charged to lead that church for a season. So let's read this. All right, Revelation chapter 1. It's going to be up behind me. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Next one. I know your deeds. So this is Jesus talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, just quick thought there. This sounds obvious. What we're talking about here is he's writing to Christians. It's a church. He's not writing to the unbelievers. He's writing to the believers. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. He's encouraging them. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and found them false. So Jesus is saying, you guys are doing well with your works. Well done. Next verse. You have persevered out of endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So this is an encouragement. You guys are actually doing really well. From the outside, we see the works that you're doing. Uh, as a church, you're, you're sticking to what Paul taught them to do. You're, you're pushing away false prophets. You're not um, living in evil. You are persevering. But then he goes on to say this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Next verse. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did, what? At first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I find this so fascinating because Christianity is so much about the inside, not what we present on the outside. It's so much more about our heart than what people see. And, and Paul is, uh, sorry, and Jesus is, is talking to this church saying, look, I actually do want to encourage you. You are doing well. You are doing what I've asked. You're working hard. You're living for me. But what had happened, unfortunately, which can be the case for so many believers, it's the case of my life, is sometimes we can be doing all the right things, but we forget about the why we are doing it. Our heart has wandered away from our first love. So they were doing all this stuff, but they had lost that first love when they first encountered Jesus. And this is what I want to talk about today. As we finish this series, Hunger for God is three things that Jesus encouraged this church to do. And I believe Jesus is encouraging you and I here today. Where did you fall? Repent and do the things you did at first. Is that okay? All right, you ready to get into it? All right, the first thought, where did you fall? Jesus said, consider how far you have fallen. I remember uh, Ebony and I once did a holiday with her family. If you didn't know this about me, I was so blessed. I grew up in Canberra, which is a pretty good place, but about two hours down the road, my grandparents owned this beautiful property. It was a huge farm of hundreds of acres, and I loved it. Like It was my favorite, it still is my favorite place on the earth. You know the classic, as a boy, I learned how to climb a tree. I learned what a snake looks like. I learned how to ride motorbikes. I got a 
shoot a gun. It was the best thing ever. I started to learn how to drive as I do skids and burnouts. I just loved it. Like farm life is a good life for a young guy growing up. And I just loved it. And what was special is, you know, as my grandparents aged and passed away, we still had the property for a season. And what was really special for me is I got to bring Ebony um, along to that place. And then her family actually came this time. So her mom, her dad, and her sister were there. And the first thing we did, we um, got on the motorbikes and we're like, let's just go have some fun. So we're in a hundred acre property. That's a pretty big property. I don't know if you know how big an acre is. A hundred acres. That's a lot of grass. And um, Ebony's sister had a brand new iPhone she had just bought, nice and pink, expensive, in her pocket, and she's um, holding on to someone riding, uh, driving the motorbike, and she's holding on, she's having lots of fun, we're there all the way till about sunsets, about half an hour away, and we're like, like, let's go pack down the bikes, that was so good, and she says, guys, I've lost my phone. And we're like, all right, all right, like, is it in the house? Is it in your bag? She's like, no, I definitely had it when we first started motorbiking. And we're like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. And so then we went on this huge search and rescue mission. All right, 100 acres of grass. Like, we were riding everywhere. There is, like, cow manure everywhere. There's probably snakes in the grass. It's getting dark, but it's a brand-new phone. And this is in New South Wales. It probably isn't going to survive the night. It's cold. It's wet. A wombat will probably come and eat it. Like, you know, we're talking bogan New South Wales people. And so we're like, all right. Vanessa, we asked her, like, do you remember maybe where you felt it leave? And, and, you know, I was riding like a crazy man. Ebony's dad was riding. We were riding everywhere looking for, you know, and the grass is like this thick. And we're looking for this flipping phone for like um, 45 minutes. And now there's like just the slightest bit of brightness left. And I, and I remember Nessa like, you know what? Now I actually remember feeling something and maybe in this region. And we had like no hope by this stage. We're like, it's gone. It's getting dark, sweetheart. Go buy a Samsung anyway. Apple suck. But anyway, (laughs) I just got converted, by the way, um, literally this week. I repent, Apple, sorry. All right. In the last five minutes of sunlight, we hear Ebony's dad screaming with joy, like, wahoo! And he actually found it, and it was like so awesome, like literally one in a thousand chance. But I remember to recover what was lost, she lost her phone. We needed to know where she dropped it. If we didn't have any idea where she dropped it, there was no hope. It's now a cow's iPhone. But we asked her when she knew where she kind of lost it, we could find it. And this is a great principle. To recover what is lost, we need to reflect on where, where we lost it. It's the same with our first love. Jesus tells the church, I want you to reflect on where you have fallen. And I just want to quickly here today go through four things that I've recognized in my own life. Now, this isn't a list in on itself, but maybe four areas that you and I may have dropped our first love. And I believe the key here today is we need to go back to where we dropped it and pick it up again. Perhaps the key to discovering your hunger for God is in finding where it fell. So the first thing I want to talk about is we can lose our first love just through the experiences of life. Experience. Proverbs 4.23 says this. The verse is going to come behind me. It says, protect, sorry, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. What you and I will learn in life very quickly is disappointments happen. 
Life happens. Whether we're a Christian or we're not a Christian, life can be challenging. And disappointments can actually harden our hearts. Pain from life, if we're not careful, if we don't deal with the pain of life well, it will end up hardening our heart. Do you know in the Bible, there's this concept of a hardened heart, and it's talked about regularly in the New Testament. And do you know, there's two words that that is translated to from the Greek. The first one is skleros, which means hard, harsh, harsh, rough, or stiff. So we can get a hard, harsh, rough, or stiff heart. But there's another word that is porosis, and it means the covering with a callus. Have you ever had a callus after you've hurt yourself? Or when you graze your skin, a bit gross, but a scab begins to grow back? What happens there is we had an injury or friction, and our body's natural reaction is to build a callus. What is a callus? What separates a callus from skin is it's hard. It's hard. It's a defense mechanism. And Jesus uses this word in the New Testament. If we're not careful, our heart will grow calluses on it. It will become hard. But the problem with a hard heart is it actually hardens not just towards other people. Our hard hearts harden towards God. And if you and I don't deal with our pain correctly, it will harden our heart. And we can lose our love for Jesus. Often it's not intentional. You don't, you don't exit a painful season going, I want to lose my love and, and walk away from Jesus. That's not our heart. But what happens naturally, if we don't deal with the pain and the disappointments of life in a good way, our heart grows hard. And maybe for some of us here today, you recognize today, maybe I was so in love with Jesus, then I walked through a difficult season, and I don't know exactly where, but I reflect now that as I left that painful season, my love for Jesus dimmed. Maybe what happened there is your heart grew hard. And as I said, it's not, maybe not even to your fault or by intention, but what we need to do is invite Jesus into that pain here today, get freedom and healing, and rediscover our first love. Just quickly, here's three signs you might have a hardened heart. Unbelief. You struggle to believe God and His Word. You're overarchingly cynical and negative um, about believing God. Number two, you struggle to connect with people. That can be a sign of a hard heart. Or lastly, you struggle to connect or hear with God. That's another sign. Maybe I have a hard heart. We need to come to Jesus and, and, and get healing and separate again and get into that place of picking up again our first love. Number two, so that was number one experience. Number two is doing. Everyone say doing. doing. Out of all of these, this is the one I personally resonate with the most. When I reflect back, as I talked about, to my beanbag days and how quickly I left, abandoned my first love, the number one reason for me, as I said earlier, is my doing for God distracted me. I want to look right now at a quick story. Now, Pastor John mentioned this week one of Mary and Martha. We're going to look to Luke 10 together, verse 40 to 42. And this is a story of two sisters who invite Jesus into their home. So let's read from verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Everyone say distracted. distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord... 
Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? <clears throat> Tell her to come and help me. So what, what's happening here? Martha invites Jesus into her home. She has a sister, and her sister's just being a hippie, sitting at the feet of Jesus doing no work. And Martha's like, well, she's not working. I've got to prepare this big dinner for all these teenage boys. I've got to make sure the house is clean because it's Jesus. And I've got to, oh, I've got to clean the toilet. And oh, I've got to get the temperature right. And she's busy, busy, distracted, distracted. And Mary's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus listening. And I love it because Martha's like, ah, oh, I got you now, Mary. Jesus is going to rebuke the heck out of you, girl. <laughs> Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. There is only one thing. Everyone say one thing. There is only one thing, Jesus says, worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I find this so interesting because we can read this story and think Martha is a bad person, but if we actually reflect on it, number one, it was actually Martha who invited Jesus into their home. It wasn't Mary. That shows me Martha deeply desired to connect with Jesus. Martha and Mary loved Jesus probably similarly. It's not that Martha was a bad person. She loved God. But the Bible says here she actually got distracted from what was really important. And I believe that Martha had an aha moment. And you know what was a, a crazy thought is maybe if Jesus didn't have this conversation with Martha, she would have missed the opportunity to connect with Jesus. Martha was distracted with her doing priorities, what she could do for Jesus. But Mary was focused on being priorities, spending time with Jesus. Martha was distracted from what mattered most to her. Mary's priority was Jesus. And as I said, I can so relate to this. This is a trap we can fall into as believers is we get distracted by not evil things, but good things, serving God, leading a connect group, leading a team in church, working hard to provide for my family, working hard where God has called me. And we get so busy and distracted that it actually pulls us away from that time out, that first love with Jesus. And here today, maybe we need to recognize for some of us, my doing has exceeded my being. And I need to recalibrate that because our doing for God will only work if it's an overflow out of our being with God. There's an old saying that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you sinning, he'll get you busy with the church. He'll get you busy doing for God. And the scary thought is this, both of them achieve the same result, separation from God. Number three, distraction. So doing and then distraction. Let's look at Luke 8, 14, 15. Is this okay? It's a lot of verses today. Luke 8, 14 to 15, it says this. It's the parable of the sower. And, and the seed is talking about Jesus' word. So Jesus' word fell among thorns. Um, sorry, among thorns. Oh, I got that wrong. For those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and produce a good crop. You and I can get distracted from our first love. And the Bible talks about here three key things that can distract us. Number one is life's worries. 
Life's worries can distract us. Can anyone relate to that? Come on. Life can be so busy, so full. We can have burdens and we can get so overwhelmed by the troubles and worries of this life that it distracts us from our walk with Jesus. Rather than going with Jesus with our burdens and our worries, we push away from him and go, God, I'm trying to solve this. I'm trying to sort this out. When I have more time, then I'll spend time with Jesus. When this crazy season ends, then I'll spend time with Jesus. But you know the scary thing? If that season lasts more than a few weeks, it's not a season. It's actually just our life. And we will always find an excuse to not spend time with God. And I'm talking to myself. But I want to encourage us, don't let life's worries distract you and I from our first love, but bring our burdens to God. Number two, the Bible says riches. What's that? The love of money, the spirit of mammon. We can spend our life chasing money and wealth over chasing Jesus and letting him provide for us. And this pursuit can distract us. And we have seen this, we've all seen this time and time again, where the love of money, God never says money is evil, but the love of money is evil. And it's a spirit that can get on us and we can spend our whole life driven by this thing that distracts us from him. And lastly, the Bible teaches pleasures. Pleasures can distract us from God. Living a life that is all about us and our pleasure. If there's one message in the world right now that we're hearing through every movie we watch, every TV series, it's life is all about you. Just have fun. It's about your pleasure. Go and have sex with whoever you want and go do this and and build up all your money because it's all about you retiring early and having a life with no worries on a yacht in Hawaii. But the problem with this is we can get caught chasing comfort We can get caught chasing the life's pleasures, but those pleasures are actually empty. Once again, they're not evil in and of itself, but if the pleasures of life become our main priority over our Jesus, it will distract us from our first love. And lastly, um, unrepentant sin and unforgiveness. I won't go into this quickly, but another huge thing that can take us away from our first love is if there's unrepented sin in our life. Now, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin when we repent. So I'm not trying to say it's sin, but it's unrepented sin. When there's sin in our life that you and I don't repent of and recognize, the Bible says sin has a consequence, and it is separation from God. So that can take us away from our first love when there's unrepented sin. Now, he's gracious, as I shared, if we repent and he forgives us and we become more like him. But when it's unrepented sin, the truth of it and in both of our lives is that will separate us from God and also unforgiveness will. Jesus said, if you're coming to bring gifts and a sacrifice to me, but you have angered someone else or they're angry at you, what did Jesus say? He didn't say pray and then go fix it. He said, I want you before you pray to me, Go and resolve that issue you have with your brother or your sister and then come and pray for me so that your prayers will not be hindered. Unforgiveness will also separate us from our first love. It's very hard to have a a pure heart between us and God and hatred in our heart towards another human. Unrepentant sin and unforgiveness. So out of those four things, my question for you is perhaps one of them spoke to you today. I know I have been in all four of those camps multiple times in my Christian journey. But I want to ask you, 
Where today do you recognize, wow, I may have fallen here. I was so in love with Jesus. I was so on fire for him, but I just find myself right now distracted. Or I was so in love with Jesus, spending so much time with him, but right now my doing is getting too big. What is it for you and I here today? And what do we need to do with it? Well, the second thought that Jesus said was to repent. We need to recognize where we have fallen. And then Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, therefore, repent. What does the word repent mean? It actually means to change one's mind, to turn, and to make a change. It's not just simply saying sorry. It's actually changing one's mind when we translate it. And I want to read this verse to us in Acts 3, 19, verse 20. This is so powerful. It says this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then what? Then times of refreshment will come in the presence of God. When we repent of where we lost our first love, I know for me, I've done this many times. In a moment like this, God's just convicted me or spoken to me. Hey, this thing is... Is there's a wrestle going on in your heart between me and this. And the first thing we need to do is recognize it. But the second thing we need to do is actually say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been so distracted. I'm sorry I've been unforgiving this person. I'm sorry uh, for this thing in my life competing. And not just to say sorry, but then to make a change. I'm changing my mind. I'm coming back to my first love. And then the Bible promises times of refreshing will come. Maybe there's some people here in this season of hunger for God. Once again, let's be real. We all go through seasons where it seems like everyone else is encountering God in this amazing way. Have you ever been in a church service and you feel like everyone else is having this life-changing encounter, weeping, and you're just there going, what's wrong with me? Sometimes in my life, this has been a key for me because when there's been an area I need to repent of, and I, and I haven't, it's almost like I'm struggling to connect with God or there's a hardened heart or anything that we've talked about. But the Bible says this, the good news is this, but when we repent and we say, Lord, I'm sorry about that, I turn from that, then times will refresh and come. And perhaps today that is the breakthrough you've been looking for to encounter God. Perhaps for me today, that's the breakthrough I'm looking for. But I love it that he promises times refreshing. And last thing is I invite the band back. He said, do the things you did at first. Recognize where you have fallen. Where have I lost my first love? Number two, I repent of it. And number three, Jesus encouraged the church. Guys, there's good news. There is hope. You don't need to stay in that place forever. You're not bound to it. But what you need to do is come back to what you did at first. So what does that look like in my life? It looks like a blue bean bag. What did Dan Frecker do at first? I prioritized time with Jesus in prayer, in reading the Bible. I was just so in love with him. I was undistracted. My heart was soft. I, I was in a great place with him. And so for me, when I have wandered astray and I'm in a dry season, so many times I've been encouraged in my heart, Dan, I need to go back to that place of prioritizing prayer. Do what you did at first. Dan, you need to go back to that place of reading the Bible and hearing his voice. Dan, you need to go back to that place to making the house 
house of God a priority and being in church every day. If we do what we did at first, if we repent where we have fallen, the good news is this, is our love for Jesus can reawaken. And do you know what I'm convinced of? Just like I shared about my marriage with Ebony, I love her more today than I did when I first met her. And I believe in our walk with Jesus, as we mature as disciples, our love for Him will only grow and grow and grow. What does that mean for you here today? It means the best and the most intimate times in your personal relationship with Jesus. They are ahead of you and not behind you. Paul said this, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, I forget the past. So you're here today. The past is now the past. It's outside of our control now. Wherever you are today, there's no point worrying about the past anymore. We repent, but now today I want us to lift up our eyes and look to the future and say, I am gonna come back to my first love. Can I encourage us here today? There is not one thing on this earth, if it comes between us Jesus. There's not one thing worth keeping there. We need to be people who just intentionally and relentlessly go, is there anything between me and Jesus? And if there is, I'm getting rid of it today. And that's what I hear God wanting to do here today. I want us to create just an, an altar between your heart and God. Just in our seats, in a moment, the worship team will play. But I really feel for some of us, we need to do some business with God. I need to do some business with God. Maybe for some of us, I just want to ask, what's your next step today? Where, Where did your first love fall? I want you to go back to that place when we worship. I want you to go to that place and repent to God. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I want you to pick it up again and say, Lord, I put that mantle back on and make a fresh commitment in your heart. Lord, I'm yours. The number one pursuit of my life is to follow you, to be close with you. There's nothing in life more worth your time and energy. There's nothing that should be higher on our priority list than our love for Jesus. Everything flows out of that place. And I'm telling you, even right now, there's such a precious presence of God because He loves you so much. He's been longing for this moment because He has seen things in your life and my life that have been robbing us of the intimacy He wants to bring. And today can be a day if you lean in that Jesus can set us free. So why don't we all stand to our feet right now? I'm just gonna pray a prayer, then I'm gonna hand over to the team. And as they worship, can I encourage you Whatever God's been speaking to you about, let's bring it before Him. Let's recognize it, let's repent from it, and let's make a fresh commitment to do what we did at first. So right now, let's lift our hands to Jesus if you feel comfortable. Lord, we hear Your Word here today, encouraging each and every single one of us to come back to our first love. Lord Jesus, we have decided to follow You. And here today, wherever we have fallen, we go back to that place. Maybe for some of us, it's a hardened heart. We go back to that place and we ask for freedom and healing from pain and to soften our heart. Lord, where our doing has exceeded our being, we repent, Lord God. And just like Martha did, we change our mind. We put our tools down and we come back to that place with You.
Lord, where we have been distracted, distracted by the riches of this world, by the pleasures of life. Lord, right now we say sorry. And Lord, we let our heart be undivided to You. And lastly, Lord, where there is unrepented sin, where there is unforgiveness in our heart, right now we make a decision to repent in the name of Jesus. We turn from sin. We forgive because You have forgiven us. And we remove the separation between us. And so, Lord God, in this place, right now I prophesy over every person a life-defining encounter in the presence of God, that here today we come back to our first love. Oh, Jesus, we love You. We worship You. We praise You. You died for us, and we are so thankful. So come on, church, together, let's worship Him. Let's lift up our voice and praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords.